Live from Harrison County, West Virginia, we welcome you to the Healthy Harrison podcast, a show designed to help you change your state. I'm Healthy Harrison Board of uh, Directors member Gary Bowden. We're streaming this program live on the Healthy Harrison Facebook page and on the statewide distribution network of our media partner, WVNews.com. Every week at this time, we chat with individuals who in their personal or professional lives or both share the mission of Healthy Harrison, that being to foster measurable improvement to the health and well-being of people in not only Harrison County, but throughout North Central West Virginia. Our guest today is David Anderson. He's a PhD and co-founder and former chief health officer of Stay Well, a leading provider of solutions for population health, consumer engagement, and patient education, all designed to illuminate the pathway to better health. His curriculum vitae is exhaustive and impressive, uh, but we want to get started on on mining his suggestions as to how we lead healthier and happier lifestyles here in Harrison County. But uh, David, we want to thank you for joining us this afternoon or this morning, actually. Happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's start on uh, the the genesis of Stay Well. How did it get started? What was your role? I believe I just read that was it is it sold recently to WebMD? Uh WebMD is the uh is the owner at this point. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, how how did that how did all that get started? Uh well, uh you know, stay well, it's an interesting story and probably a long story, but I'll try to give you the uh okay. you know, the Cliff Notes version. Yeah. Um so and I'll give you a little background on me too. You know, I I uh, got as you mentioned, I'm a PhD in social psychology. Uh, graduated in uh, 1977, and so a young new PhD, what do you do? Uh, I got a job as a university professor, um, and I did that for two years, and, uh, you know, I, I think back to some of my my own professors and, and the influence they had in my life, and I have a high degree of respect uh, for, for folks who do that and do it well, uh, but I quickly figured out uh, it wasn't the life for me. I just, I just wasn't a good fit. You know, mm -hmm. I, 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 I needed to be doing tangible things right. to, to make myself feel happy. And so uh, I started looking around, uh, you know, what can I do? And uh, I had no idea. <laughs> I don't, they, <laughs> I've been they never there. told us about <laughs> the alternatives. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I, I won't bore you with uh, the details, but I stumbled into a company called Control Data, a large computer company uh, back in the mainframe back in the days uh, mm -hmm. that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but at the time, they had 50,000 employees in the United States. So it was a large enterprise. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were just starting this health program for their employees. And they were looking for a, a kind of a research type who could help them evaluate that program and figure out whether it was working. Uh, and uh, I happenstance ran into them and that job uh, at the time they were beginning the program. Uh, a, little, a little background, uh, the CEO of Control Data uh, had, a, had a mission statement. Basically he said, uh, I wanna solve society's unmet uh, needs as profitable business opportunities. And he suggested, you don't need market research, just read the newspaper and look at what the problems are. And, and he saw that health and, and deteriorating health associated with lifestyle was going to become a big deal in the future. 
And he did that from the, C, uh, from the CDC death data, which basically said people were dying of lifestyle related causes. And so, you know, someday that's going to be a big deal as the population ages. So, so you know, not, not the, the normal business you think a company like that would be into, but that's, that's where it all started uh, was at that company. And they initially uh, began developing programs for their own population. And that, that's when I got involved. And then uh, over time, as the programs began developing and working better, uh, they began taking them out to other companies uh, and as their business changed, uh, they, they needed to get out of our business. And so we had an opportunity, uh, the employees, to take this as a, an employee-owned business and, uh, uh, you know, uh, take it uh, independent. So we went from 50,000 to 15. There were 15 of us who took this business out, and, and, uh, and it was quite an adventure. Uh, that was in 1989, and, and so, uh, you know, 30, little, 30 plus years ago at this point. Um, and so that was my initial role. And, and, uh, you know, I kept telling them their programs weren't working. And finally they said, well, if you're so smart, uh, you know, uh, would you like to help develop them? And I said, yeah, that's what I've always wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, I love building the toys and then seeing if they work. Yeah. Well, we're going to dig into the, the details a little bit more, but I, I wanted to mention another program, um, for which you were a founding member and a long time, um, uh, board member is is Hero mm -hmm. Health Enhancement mm -hmm. Research Organization. Uh, tell us about that. How did that come about? Yeah, well, Hero uh, it, 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 again, many things. Many of these things are a little bit happenstance. Uh, I got a call from a guy named Bill Whitmer, who's a CEO of a company, a little uh, company like we were called Wellness South, Birmingham, Alabama, and. And Bill said, you know, uh, and this was when healthcare reform, the original healthcare reform, the Clinton version in 1993 was beginning to move along. And Bill said, you know, uh, the, the current bills as they exist, the way they're structured could be catastrophic for the, the health promotion industry because it removes employer incentives to do these programs. And, uh, uh, you know, I said, well, gee, that's a problem. And he said, you know, uh, we're having a little meeting in Chicago and, and could you come down and we'll, we'll talk about it. So uh, we got together, uh, we talked about it and uh, we created an organization called, I think it was called the Worksite Health Alliance. And essentially it was a, a you know, the, this little group of cottage industry uh, businesses uh, went and lobbied Congress <laughs> and we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Fortunately, we uh, ran into a, 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 a lobbyist attorney who took pity on us, I think, and helped us kind of through the process. And by the end of the process, when the, there were four bills that came out of committee, three of them had language essentially providing incentives for employers to do health promotion and, uh, or wellness. And, and uh, you know, that was a learning experience for us. And we said, you know, uh, collaboratively, we can do things that none of us can do alone. And so uh, we got back together. Uh, again, Bill was really the, uh, the catalyst. And we said, well, what else could we do that's important to our growth as an industry? And, and everybody agreed, better data, better research that documents the value of these programs is, is really the key need if we're going to grow as a business. Because we have to pro prove to employers that these programs have the potential to help them uh, to provide value. And at that time, there really was very little of, of that kind of data. 
So that's that's what Hero was all about at the beginning. Uh, it started with a research project that involved some of Staywell's data uh, combined with some data from a company called MedStat, which was a big, essentially a claims analysis company. And we demonstrated that people who have various lifestyle risk factors have medical costs associated, associated with those risk factors. And so smokers have higher costs. Uh, people who are sedentary have higher costs. People who don't uh, take care of themselves in other ways have higher medical costs. Therefore, you've got the beginning of a business case for an employer to say, you know, if you can help people, you know, become healthier, uh, change these unhealthy behaviors, you've got the potential to um, help your business. If, I was say, most West Virginians know that if, if we scored wellness in this nation, our state would not rank well at all. Uh, but again, if we scored wellness in this nation, are there some good things that are working and what isn't working or still needs to be addressed? Yeah, well, uh, that, that's a that's a great question. You know, when, uh, when I think about that question, well, can it work? My, my mind immediately goes to two particular uh, health behaviors that have been incredible public health successes. You know, think about tobacco use. Uh, when I began at Staywell in 1980, uh, the uh, smoking rate in the United States was 34%, I believe. 30, so 34% of the adult population tobacco and uh, over 50% of men, uh, by the way, women were just kind of getting into the act. So um, that was uh, you know, an incredibly high rate. And we've seen that fall. I don't know what the current number is, but the last time I looked at it, it was about 15, 16%. And so we've cut that in, in half. And um, uh, again, the last time I looked at a number, uh, there was a number that said about 50 million people in our country had quit smoking. So that's tremendous public health success. Uh, a second one is uh, seatbelt use. Yeah. You know, when, when I was a kid, uh, there were no seatbelts. Uh, when seatbelts started happening, basically people would take them and shove them under yeah, their seat. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, and, and you could say, well, you know, it's hard not to use seatbelts today. Well, sure, but that's, that's an environmental change that essentially helps people engage in a healthy behavior that we, we as a society see value in. And so uh, again, uh, seatbelt use was at, at about 10% when I, when I joined uh, Staywell in, in the United States. It's uh, you know, essentially universal at this point, yeah. probably 90%. Yeah. So again, think about the lives changed in a positive way by that and that, that tremendous amount of change. At the same time though, and, and uh, West Virginia uh, is very relevant here, obesity uh, has gone exactly the yeah. opposite direction. And the numbers are just about as, as impressive, but in a bad way uh, over the last uh, 30, 30 years. I think when I, uh, again, when I joined Staywell, the obesity rates were probably down in the 10, 12% range. And they're now uh, uh, pushing 40%. So, uh, yeah. That's that's a, uh, a you know a story of failure that hopefully will change. Yeah, I, I was going to go there because here we are in 2022, and particular to West Virginia, I can say that we still smoke too much, we still overeat, we don't exercise enough. So, what are the greatest wellness industry challenges? You just mentioned 
tackling obesity? Yeah. What are what are others that we need to work on? Yeah, well, uh, obviously there are a variety of uh, of these risk factors, and uh, you know, uh, one of, one of them that uh, really hasn't gotten the recognition that it deserves up until recently is sleep. Uh, you know, we're a chronically uh, un, under uh, under uh, uh, rested yeah. society, and and in fact, you know, you think about sort of social norms and values and um, in business, particularly, there's this mantra of you know driving and you know being able to outwork the other guy and uh, or the other person and and uh, you know the more the better and if you can get rid of a few hours of sleep and devote it to your career, all the better and that that's sort of been a uh, societal uh, norm up until I, I I know it's changing I think people are beginning to recognize uh, that but. You know, that's a risk factor that we haven't thought about much. Nutrition, obviously, uh, has a huge impact. And uh, again, you know, you think about obesity and you say, well, what are the drivers of obesity? Sedentary lifestyle. There's, there's been huge changes in, in our ability to be sedentary. You know, you, you, can, you, you don't even have to really use the remote control anymore. You just, you know, tell Alexa to change the channel. <laughs> Your mouth is getting exercised. But not much else. So it's sedentary behavior. Um, you know, tobacco use we mentioned, uh, nutrition, uh, stress, uh, uh, and and sleep are probably, uh, and of course alcohol use, uh, you know, or, or abuse, or, or you know, uh, those are probably the, the 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 big hitters in terms of sort of the traditional lifestyle factors. Uh, as the industry has grown and matured. Uh, it's also begun expanding uh, into uh, more of the psychological areas of well-being. So helping people deal with anxiety and depression and uh, you know, those kinds of factors, uh, resilience, uh, et cetera. So all of those really are, are sort of part of uh, you know, what we call uh, wellness. It's, it's basically just helping a person have better health and well-being. Quickly, that we couldn't do this podcast without the help of some wonderful sponsors. They are WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. We're talking with David Anderson, a wellness specialist who's agreed to share some of uh, his insights uh, today. Uh, let's talk about some. Uh, communities, companies, organizations that must be doing it right. You sit on the board of the Health Project, which administers the C. Everett Coop National Health Awards. Uh, these are pretty prestigious. Can you tell us about them and who's winning them and how are they doing it? Sure. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the the Coop Award, the, the, the origin of the Coop Award was, uh, was really... Uh, in the White House, and and uh, you know there were some individuals in the industry, uh, and uh, in this case, in the uh, benefits consulting industry, who had uh, some relationships with folks in the White House, and uh, you know they started talking about how do we how do we bring more visibility to uh, what employers are doing at the workplace, and how do we encourage them to do uh, what they're doing better, and and that's where the notion of an award began. And uh, at the time, it was shortly after Seabrook Coop had, had uh, served as attorney or uh, Surgeon General in the Reagan administration. 
and he he was also a friend of one of the individuals, and he agreed to uh, essentially uh, borrow his name to this uh, award. And the notion was, and again, you know, uh, going back to the research notion, uh, you know, they wanted to be able to say, here are programs that work based on credible data, and by work, what what does that mean? Well, it means. Uh, you can demonstrate that you're improving health in the population, the employee population. And this is, uh, this is employer uh, programs. Uh, so you can demonstrate that you're improving health in the population and that that translates into improved business results. A, a lot of the attention early on was on medical costs. Uh, and so there were lots of attempts to demonstrate that uh, uh, programs would have an impact on medical costs that was big enough to pay for the program. So in other words, they would have a positive uh, return on investment. Um, it's really hard to do this kind of research in a worksite setting. Yeah. And uh, it's really hard to do it in a way that you control all of the things you need to control. But for employers, I think employers uh, looking at the data that they've seen have reached a point where they're saying, you know, uh, I, 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 this is credible. This is credible data. It demonstrates that there is a positive impact. But the other thing that we learned over the years is there are a whole lot of other things that better health and well-being touches. Not just the medical cost. It touches absence from work, uh, disability, uh, workers' compensation claims. Uh, it uh, touches uh, performance at work, productivity. Uh, lower rates of turnover, partly because people stay healthier longer, uh, and uh, partly because people are attracted to work in an organization that cares about their people enough to provide these kinds of programs. And so there are lots of dimensions of value that get driven by people doing the right kinds of things. Well, and, and so I was going to say, and presumably uh, that improvement in workplace would carry over to the home front as well, wouldn't it? In uh, what you're doing oh, in sure. your home life and your relationship with your spouse and your kids and neighbors and for sure and and in fact uh, you know the the, the forward thinking uh, employers and a lot of them that have won coop awards have also uh, brought the the spouse into their programs realizing that oftentimes it's the spouse who uh, you know is that nudger there that helps the the employee uh, succeed in in making changes. And at the same time, the spouse is also often on the on the medical plan, and so uh, there are costs associated with the spouse as well. So, family involvement and getting that kind of, of uh, uh, you know helping relationship uh, plugged into uh, the processes is really uh, very helpful. So yeah, so uh, who's won the award? Uh, a lot of big companies, uh, you know, names you would recognize have been winners: uh, American Express, uh, BP. Uh, Johnson and Johnson has won, I think, multiple times, uh, and has had wonderful programs uh, for many years. Uh, so uh, lots of sort of household names have been winners, mm -hmm. uh, but also some very small organizations. One of my favorite uh, 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 case studies uh, was a little company, uh, I think, of uh, just several hundred employees out in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, called Lincoln Industries. And uh, they make precision uh, parts for, uh, uh, you know, and uh, 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 Harley Davidson was their largest customer at the time. So they, they made motorcycle parts. So this is production people, you know, not the people you think of as people interested in health and wellness. Right. 
uh, but uh, as their uh, uh, president at the time said, because I was asking, so you know, uh, you know what what's what's the secret? And and he said, wellness is not something we do; it's who we are. In other words, they essentially created the organizational uh, sort of uh, vision, mission, values from the ground up, encompassing and incorporating. Uh, thinking about wellness. So for example, uh, their uh, annual performance reviews uh, had, a, had a wellness component to them. Their management training had a, a wellness component. Their, uh, manage, their uh, leadership compensation had a wellness component. Uh, and everybody got involved. Uh, and the, uh, there, there were also rewards for employees, but it's an interesting reward. The the employees who achieved what they called platinum status, meaning they did a lot of things to uh, uh, work on their uh, health throughout the year. Uh, at the end of the year, they, they all got on a bus and they drove up to Colorado and, and climbed a 14,000 foot mountain. So that's the reward. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. let, let's, let's was, trans you know, but, but it was part of the culture. Yeah, let's transition to what we're doing here at Healthy Harrison, because when this organization started, um, uh, a couple of people, frankly, were smart enough to realize that we can do better uh, here in Harrison County. We can do better all over the state. But in this case, we were focused on Harrison County. But then you've got 12, 15, 20 people sitting around a table going, OK, how do we prove health here in Harrison County? Yeah, and I know yeah. John Paul or somebody uh, got us connected to you and you provided some insights. So. Uh, Tell us what you thought the most important things were uh, that, that we, we needed to deploy to get this thing started so that it would succeed and, uh, and last. Yeah, well, uh, it, uh, I, I was pretty excited when uh, John Paul uh, came to me uh, because uh, you know, I, had, I had tried to get, uh, uh, I'd actually tried to get a state, a uh, small state, uh, to do something at the state level, because I've, I've, I've always said, you know, one of, the, one of the challenges for wellness programs is employees go home at night. You know, if, if, they, if they lived and breathed at the work site, you could isolate them and create a healthy, healthy surround uh, uh, for them. It'd be a whole lot easier for them to do healthy things. Uh, but, you know, going home and being surrounded by uh, unhealthy lifestyle in the community and lots of uh, sort of uh, environmental factors and social factors that push them in the wrong direction uh, makes it a big challenge. So uh, I've always been really fascinated with the idea, could you do something at kind of the, you know, uh, the community level? And, and so when John Paul came to me with this notion that uh, we want to improve the health of the county and we want to re reduce obesity in the county, uh, I was pretty excited about that because uh, that's how I've always thought about these kinds of programs that really are kind of, when you think about change and, and people making healthy change, there's sort of that personal level, you know, uh, participating in programs and learning how uh, individually, how to improve my health. Uh, and maybe getting some rewards for doing so. Uh, so th there's that, and and I might be working with a health coach. Uh, there's kind of that social level, you know, the people who you look to, uh, who are your role models, and seeing what they do. Gee, they're they're doing healthy things. Therefore, you know, maybe I'll do healthy things. Or uh, the, the the folks who support you and help you and encourage you. 
there's that social level, but then there's sort of that, the, what, what's called the structural or, you know, the environmental level, you know, and, and that really think of it as culture and physical environment, those kinds of things. You need to really operate at all of those levels to, if you're going to, if you're going to really, you know, think about moving the needle on obesity in the population, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I won't say it's easy, but you can work with an individual who's motivated to change and you can help them lose, lose weight. Um, I've, I've worked with people and helped them lose over hundred pounds. So it, it can be done and we know how to do it. We have the, the, the sort of the behavioral uh, uh, science knowledge and skills to, to make that happen. But it's very hard when the, the world around them is, is not aligned. And so getting all of these factors aligned and everybody working together on a common goal is really, I think, the key, particularly for something like obesity, um, because there are so many elements to... Uh, in my notes, uh, the term uh, multi-layered approach, I think, was yeah. was used and, and came yeah. from you. Is this what we're talking about? Yep, and that's exactly yeah. what we're talking okay. about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that multi-layered thinking at the personal, social, and and uh, structural, structural or environmental levels, and and really uh, looking for what can I do at all of those levels that are all aligned to get me towards uh, the goal that I'm trying to achieve. So if you think about the personal level, it's programs. You think about the social level, it's getting leaders in the community to uh, kind of uh, lead by example. It's, it's getting uh, uh, respected in individuals, whether it be clergy or you know, uh, uh, school leaders, all involved and in, in pointing in the right direction. And, uh, and then at the environmental structural level, it's things like, well, you know, if people are going to uh, eat healthier foods, they need access to healthier foods and they need information on what those foods are uh, and uh, maybe encouragement to uh, eat the healthier stuff instead of the unhealthier stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, sedentary lifestyle, you know, uh, there again, you know, you need to have a, an environment that invites people to be active as opposed to invites them to be sedentary. So, Everything you can do at all three of those levels, all pointing in the direction of better health, are, are going to work together. And, and, and you really can't do it at, at any, any one of those levels alone. Yeah. You mentioned, you've mentioned obesity a couple of times. We mentioned that it's one of the biggest mm -hmm. issues in, I know in it's our one area. Of the factors and, and, yeah. yeah, and in the, in the state of West Virginia. Um, we also talk about the improvements uh, we we try to focus on, we want to be able to measure. I would think based on all the work you've done and study that when you're working on obesity um, and, and if we want to measure, we have to be quite patient in trying to determine whether or not we're seeing good res quality results. For sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, when you think about, uh, when you think about obesity, I mean, you know, uh, we have arrived where we are uh, generationally. It didn't happen overnight, um, and uh, you know it's it's uh, it's going to take time to sort of turn the ship, because there are so many elements involved. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I think particularly until we get kind of the structural elements, you know, the the, the environment and the, the surrounding culture, until we get them more aligned towards 
uh, you know, uh, helping people uh, lose weight and uh, become healthier. And, and uh, you know, again, when I when I think about losing weight, you know, weight is weight's an outcome. It's not a behavior. It's a measure, and it's really kind of a measure of where you're at. The the things you really want to be changing are you know, uh, sedentary lifestyle. So you want people to get more active. Uh, you want people to start eating healthier foods and eat the right amount of, of uh, healthy, healthy foods. Uh, you want them to, uh, you know, uh, uh, begin having better sleep habits. You want them to uh, uh, manage stress more effectively. And so all of those things are the things that ultimately help people manage their weight. Let me remind people of our sponsors again that help us produce this show each week. WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, uh, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. We're talking with David Anderson. He's a highly regarded researcher and speaker in the field of workplace and community wellness. David, uh, in our society today, there's an awful large group of people that celebrate and defend personal choice, even unhealthy ones. How, yeah. how do you battle that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, interestingly, when, when you think about uh, when you think about changing any unhealthy behavior, and we all have some, uh, oftentimes we defend them to the death. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and I guess, you know, the, the answer really, ultimately, people are free to make their own choices. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if someone wants to uh, continue smoking and smoking an amount that's going to ultimately make them sick and, and uh, accelerate their uh, uh, departure from this world, uh, that really is their choice. Uh, but there are ways of helping people who are sort of at that point, who are, are really resistant to change. There are ways of, of encouraging them to begin thinking about change. And usually that's by just acknowledging Hey, it's your choice. I don't want, I'm not here to make you quit smoking or start exercising or doing anything else. I'm a resource that's available to you again through your employer. Uh, and, uh, you know, if this is something you want to do, uh, I'm here to help you. If you just want to think about it and learn a little bit more, uh, I can help you do that. Um, so there are, there are techniques to really help people kind of move from that resistant stage or just, you know, a lot of people, when you think about uh, weight, particularly, uh, a lot of people have tried to lose weight five, six times, uh, and uh, they may have lost some weight, gained it back, maybe gained back more than they lost. And so they've yo-yoed several times, and eventually they just become discouraged. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, they just give up, and it's like, I can't do it. And 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 so that's the starting point. So there, there, are, there are those really difficult starting points or uh, what the scientists call pre-contemplation. You know, people aren't even thinking about change because they either don't want to or because they, they don't think they can. And, and so uh, that's the beginning point for, and it's maybe 20% of the population on any given health behavior. Sometimes it's baffling though, when they change that warning on the cigarette packs. And I think it was under C. Everett Coop, uh, frankly, where they started yes. saying you know, it wasn't just a warning, it could lead to death. And I tell yeah. people all the time, when they started putting that on there, could lead to death, it was like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> That's, uh, 
That's enough of that. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the tobacco saga was a really interesting one. And you think about all of the elements of, uh, you know, the, the communications happening at the national level, the policy changes, uh, taxation, you know, all of those uh, kind of fed into it. And, you know, at, at Control Data, the company I mentioned at the beginning, two thirds of the people that we demonstrated quit smoking because of the programs never participated in a smoking cessation program. They quit on their own, uh, but they quit on their own because the program was surrounding them and it changed the dynamics at the work site. And we were able to demonstrate that because we had comparison sites that didn't have the program where the changes didn't occur. So uh, again, the multi-layered kind of approach. We're getting short on time. Let me let me ask one sure. final question because you have years of experience in this. Uh, how does an organization like Healthy Harrison survive, grow, succeed? How do we how do we keep engaged? We feel like we're making headway, but you know we want to make sure that this catches on and we start to to see that measurable improvement we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah, well, one of, the, one of the things that has impressed me about um, Healthy Harrison is, uh, you know, you, you came to me with what I call a big, hairy, audacious goal. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is impossible, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is a hard one. And uh, not a whole lot of resources at the, at the time. And I don't know a lot about, the, you know, budgets and that sort of thing on, on, in your program. But I know that, that this is this something ideally you'd like to have uh, unlimited resources, but they're limited. So uh, the commitment level, uh, I think, is that's the starting point. You know, if you've got an organization that's committed to a change and they're just they are going to make it happen come hell or high water, that's a great starting point. Uh, but that commitment has to be maintained. And one of the things that uh, Healthy Harrison has done that I think is wonderful is they've set very specific goals and objectives and they're measuring against those goals and objectives. And they're able to go back and say, here's where we're at. Here's the progress we're making. Here's some areas where we're not doing so well. So here's what we're going to change to try to address that. And so that, that evaluation process of just kind of collecting the data, bringing it back, asking what it means, adjusting, and just keep keep at it because this is a this is a long term enterprise that you know this is not something that happens overnight because you're trying to change the culture in the entire community, which is what you really need to do, and you really need to get all the stakeholders in the community at the table and say well, let's do this together, let's collaborate. And we're and all needed. What, we're all part of it. That's what really makes it work. As you start to see some success in the community, the community feeds that yes. success yep. and and starts to deliver improvements on what we could be doing. Sure. Yeah, and and you know that kind of collaboration doesn't cost money. It yeah. it, it simply takes the will to say we're going to do we're going to get this done. This is the goal. We're all going after it. We're going to work together. Now, all of those stakeholders may then invest dollars, but but that level of commitment and that collaboration that that's really going to be the key, I think. Uh, to making this multi-layered effort over a long period of time reach those big, hairy, audacious goals that right, you've got. Right, right. Well, we, we also need to find more people like you in the community that, that have that great 
enthusiasm for this. You've been doing uh, it for years. Uh, you've seen it work. You know it's a challenge. Uh, but yeah, you need people that share that enthusiasm. We really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, well, you know, when, when we talk about wellness, we say, you know, wellness is win-win-win. You know, the, the individual wins, the employer wins, uh, the community wins. It's just, a, you know, and the organization, you know, uh, is, is going to win as well, both financially and in human terms. I always tell people it's the best health insurance plan you can get. Is, for sure it's just figure it out in here and uh yeah. you, and in you'll, fact, you'll start seeing they, some improvements the, uh, the insurance rates will will improve yeah. too yeah so. yeah well we yeah, again thanks so fun. much we appreciate you sharing time uh with oh, us a lot of fun yeah. i really enjoyed talking to you and we want to thank our viewers for joining us today for our healthy harrison podcast it's our goal to change your state of mind and change the state of health not just here in harrison county but uh, one day develop a template that we can take all over the state of West Virginia. If you want more help right now, you can visit HealthyHarrison.org or visit Healthy Harrison on Facebook. And if you're inclined, give us a, a like. You'll also find lots of support and you'll find uh, past episodes of the Healthy Harrison podcast on that Facebook page. Again, thanks to our sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, uh, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Uh, on behalf of Healthy Harrison, we want to thank you all for joining us. We do it every week on Monday morning. And again, many thanks to our guest, Dave Anderson. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, everyone, and join us next week.